right, everybody. Welcome to your DC Fandom Halftime Show, presented by Ready, Set, Review. Welcome to your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. <laughs> I am your host, Anthony. We're just going to have two intros? Yeah, we're going to have yeah, all okay. the intros. Okay, do, you cool. wanna, do you want to do one as well? Well, it's DC, so we have two Justice Leagues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four Batman, three four Flashes, Batman, and, and, and yeah. one Black Adam, and a partridge. And a oh, partridge. God. Well, first off, let's get the obvious out of the way. As we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the reason why we here at Ready, Set, Review have taken a slight break from podcasting is because we haven't taken a break from podcasting. We've been working on a new podcast of which the first three episodes are up which we have our co-host of that podcast, special guest on Ready, Set, Review, Ed Ryan with us right now. That podcast is called <laughs> Cannon Fodder. You should go fucking listen to it because it is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And it talks about all things that are into a shared universes and more than just uh, comic books and, and things like that. We, we talk about kind of a wide variety of different things and a wide variety of different universes. So yeah. uh, definitely go and check it out. I think it'll uh, I think it'll tickle your fancy. Totally. But we thought that with uh, DC Fandom happening live as we speak, again, this is the halftime show. We've gotten through the meat of it right now. Um, a couple of things are still up on the docket, like Aquaman and Shazam and the Suicide Squad game. We haven't gotten there yet. But we feel that we have enough material to talk about because we've been watching Fandom for several hours at this point, yeah. drinking the entire time. So we have a few things to discuss. <laughs> so let's just, let's just first talk about the really good stuff. The fact that DC is doing this. This is a... Fandom is a awesome, awesome... Like, essentially, Comic-Con in... It's like all of Hall H for DC in one exclusive, only DC thing. And it's obviously all virtual. Everybody's streaming. You're on DCFandom.com. And it's been a pretty cool experience so far, I gotta say. And we're seeing all of the clips because... Normally with the Hall H panels, there are these clips and trailers yeah. that don't get released to everybody. So it's pretty awesome that we are seeing them live as though we were in Hall H. It's great. Yeah, that's the really cool thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times, yeah, it's like when, when Hall H happens, if you're not at San Diego Comic-Con, you usually have to wait at least a week to see whatever's happening, or you get, like, that grainy footage from someone's cell phone, you know? You'll the fact description that, yeah. about a trailer. But I gotta say, the safe. fact that DC is doing it the way they're doing it is absolutely fucking brilliant. It really says... It's a real love letter to the fans, and, like, I really appreciate it because we've been having, like, it's almost like a mini party right now. We've got our snacks, we've got our booze, you know? We're not cosplaying, <laughs> you know? But we're just fucking hanging out, watching this shit, oh, and loving it. Cosplayed. Why didn't we cosplay? Because well, we went to the beach earlier, so it's like you know the this the the fucking salt would have gristled against my Superman suit. You know, <laughs> like, uh, your black Superman suit. My black, black Superman, suit, Superman suit, exactly. Who's also wearing a cape? But we'll get to that point. <laughs> we'll get to that part. Um, so let's just go down the line in order of the schedule of DC fandom. The first thing that we saw was new information, new trailer, and a little panel on Wonder Woman eighty four. So. Let's, let's just start with the obvious, okay? From the get-go, we've had questions about Wonder Woman 84 uh, because, if you remember, it's been well over a year ago now. Wonder Woman 84's original release date was supposed to be July of 
last year. Of last year. And it was obviously supposed to be again July of this year, and then fucking COVID. COVID. So right. it, was, it was delayed pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. Delayed yeah. again. So, like, whatever. I get the new delay because of COVID. But even when the first trailer for Wonder Woman 84 came out, we had some questions and some skepticism. It did not look too great. And then the most recent trailer came out today at Fandom, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to come out and say it, this trailer looks like hot fucking garbage. And I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. So Tell me so, why. So, yeah, so let's 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 talk about why, right? So let's talk about what we think looks good. So we obviously have the return of Steve Trevor. We don't know why he's returning. We really don't have any kind of semblance. Is he Kronos? Maybe he could be he's that be character. Kronos. It would be cool if he was. I don't think that he is. I think that's way too in-depth for what they're trying to do. They're, like, they're very... They're very... Uh, they're not that smart. No, they just kind of punch you in the face <laughs> with like their plot lines. They don't try and be subtle with a whole lot of things. And, and any twists and turns, you always see coming anyway. So, but with this movie, right, I think, A, a it looks visually spectacular, which is something that I think that DC does very, very well. I think as a movie and having such an iconic character... You need it to be visually spectacular. It's it's obvious to me, getting a chance to see the movie, that Cheetah is not the main villain. She's going to be a villain, right. but there is a villain... It's obviously Maxwell Lord. ...that we have not seen yet, that is behind the scenes, that is going to be a little bit more super-powered, a little bit larger. Well, we've technically seen him. It's going to be Maxwell Lord. So this is the yeah, one thing Maxwell that's got Lord me... Maxwell is only a mind-control special. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Maxwell Lord is a character in the comic books, and he has a mind-control power. Right. But other than that... That's pretty much it. He doesn't really have any other powers aside from that. Well, so okay, so let's let's just jump to the end though, because even though, so to your point, so so here's the, so here's the thing that I think would make Wonder Woman eighty four actually good, because as we've talked about before, one of the things that almost all the DC movies suffer from is making a world ending villain, right? And it's it, it always it always falls flat every single time. It always falls flat, especially in the prequel. Especially, however. If they are to do, and here's what I think they're going to do, and this is what I think would make the movie good. You you run with Cheetah as the main villain, and that's your big action scene. But then you get the reveal that Maxwell Lord is controlling everything from the get-go. So he still is the big bad, but his takedown doesn't involve a giant, you know, fucking CGI fight scene. However, knowing DC... What they're going to probably do is you'll have the big takedown of Cheetah, and there's still like 20 minutes left of the movie. She goes to confront Maxwell Lord, who, again, as you said, his only power is mind control, and they're probably going to do something ridiculous, like all of a sudden he turns into fucking Doomsday, and it's another big CGI fight. <laughs> he just starts throwing spikes out of his fucking head, and he's like, all of a sudden I have these new powers. And it's dimly lit. It's in some sort of... Um Post-apocalyptic. Yeah, scorched earth in the background, yeah. 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 But here's here's the real problem with the Wonder Woman trailer that we saw, and the previous ones as well. Wonder Woman is seen in broad daylight several times, especially in Washington, D.C., during a major crisis, it appears. So, first off, nobody remembers her 30 years later, and second off, she somehow then... Stops being Wonder Woman again, so well, she again, hasn't been yes. Wonder Woman for seventy years. But then something causes her to 
put the costume back on. We go back to the ultimate plot hole of Batman versus Superman, where Wonder Woman explicitly states in Batman versus Superman that she had lost faith in humanity or wherever it was, blah, blah, blah. But clearly that was proven wrong in Wonder Woman 1, because even at the end of Wonder Woman 1, as, as, you know, distraught as she is over World War 1, at the end of that movie, she's still, like, happy about humanity. We see the Superman flying away scene, you know, at the end of Wonder Woman 1. And now we have a whole other movie that takes place in the 80s where she's once again out there saving humanity like just oh god my, yeah, my head I, hurts and my i think hurts. that the frustrating thing is is that this movie if it was to come out a year ago the the whole 80s nostalgia thing with with stranger things and a whole bunch of others it was still very current now this year post-covid it's not really there you don't really have that that like lust for eighties nostalgia Yo, because you been bite over. your tongue. I will always have a lust for eighties nostalgia. <laughs> yes. Okay, but I will. Say have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> I will say the general populace doesn't really have that lust anymore. Idiots. That lust has been satisfied and it's been adapting. So now having a movie that was supposed to come out last year is not coming out until next year has had an obscene amount of reshoots. Right? Like I just allegedly. I, I think that. Despite all of those facts, I still think that it has a chance to be a great movie. And I think that the thing that we're not seeing is is things that are going to be some of the twists in the movie. And there's two elements, especially because we know that Maxwell Lord is going to be in it. One is a piece of technology called Brother Eye. Now, Brother Eye was a piece of technology that was created by Batman that was essentially created to spy on the entire world. Right, so Batman created a satellite called Brother Eye, and it gets taken over by essentially Maxwell Lord's like group. It's been taken over by everybody at this yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> and within that, there was also the the one man Army Corps or yep. the OMAC, OMAC yep. droids, right? Or or androids, you you could refer them almost like Terminators. They have huge Mohawks. They have a single like Cyclops eye, and they're like these super powerful androids. Now, that is something that they could bring in, and it gives Wonder Woman an opponent that is strong enough to make it believe that she has somebody that's tough to fight against, but at the same time, it's not world-ending, right? Where it has the potential to be, but it's not at the same time, right? Where it's not this world-ending, like, the villain. So I think that if they were to wrap in as some element of both OMAC and the Brother Eye technology, it could actually make this a really good movie, and it could make it really, really interesting. It doesn't explain why Steve Trevor's back. <laughs> I do like some of the tongue-in-cheek comedy that they do, and I definitely loved it in the first movie, but I think that this still has the potential to be a very solid addition to a, a linear DC, like, universe. So here's the trap you're falling into. We have, it, by that by that description, we have Maxwell Lord, Omac, and Cheetah as villains. When's the last time you saw a comic book movie with three villains that was good? Dark Knight Rises. Three villains? Well, you, well, he's counting. Or, or you could say just Dark Knight. Dark Knight. 
You you have Scarecrow. No, you have Joker, and you have Two Face. Scarecrow. Yeah, but you didn't know that before the movie came out. But you didn't know that before the movie came out. All right, wait. Let me let me rephrase the question. Weren't introducing Scarecrow. He already had an order. I was just gonna say. Let me rephrase the question. When's the last time you saw a movie with three villains that were introduced in that movie that was good? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And listen, even if that's the way they go, because I do think it would be a sweet thing to have Maxwell Lord involved with Brother I in some way, shape, or form. I think it would be sweet. But I only I have I have one word. I have one word after seeing this trailer. That word prepare yourself. Sit down. Cats. <laughs> Yeah, the movie Cats. She looks like she was just ripped from the movie Cats and put in Wonder Woman. Now, granted, it's not as bad. From what I can see in the trailer, it's not as bad. But it's still pretty fucking bad. She is one of those characters that, I'm sorry, she just doesn't, like, translate direct from comic to screen. She just doesn't. No, and she's good as an like an ancillary character. Yeah, she's, and she's great a, in the comics, and she's great as a part of the Injustice League. Yeah, but she's a great as a part of the Injustice League. Like she's not a a powerful enough villain right. where you could realistically believe that she's going to have a realistic shot. Yeah. At beating Wonder Woman. And it already like, seems like from the trailer, what the couple lines they gave her in the trailer where she's like, you know, you don't know what it's like to not have everything. So like, oh God, okay, here we go. Another whiny fucking emo. Oh my God, my life is so terrible. So I've become a villain because of that. Like those are the worst villains. Those are the worst villains. The best villains are the kind of villains like what I think they're going to make Maxwell Lord be. The kind of villain that has a vision for the world and tries to impart that vision on the world because he thinks he or she thinks that that's the way the world should work. And those characters often end up having uh, uh, being villains, but you relate to them. But these whiny-ass fucking characters, oh, God, woe is me. Everything is terrible, so I'm going to be bad. Like, oh, ugh. And it also seems like they're setting up from the first couple trailers that she is a friend to Diana Prince at right. first. And then there's some sort of falling out. And there seems to be two fight sequences. One in the White House where she is Kristen Wiig human right. form. And then later on where she is, you know, Taylor Swift right. cat's form. Where she's blocking bullets <laughs> by spinning the lasso of yeah. truth. So which, I, but I, I do think that she I guess the army is not doing anything anymore. But one thing I think we're underestimating, and I know that Zack Snyder doesn't know how to direct people, so he's, <laughs> he's wasted great performances by Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck, but... Pedro Pascal, Kristen, these are great actors. Like, I feel like that's going to help save the movie. So I that, like I agree. Is, I feel like she's a better director than Zack Snyder, so I think she'll actually really get performances out of these people. So that's the last bit of hope I have for this, and I, I, I totally agree. I absolutely love Pedro Pascal. Everything I've ever seen him in, he's been great. Kristen Wiig, I mean, obviously, oh yeah. So Kristen Wiig, obviously, you know, more on, on the, the comedy the side of thing, but, like, does, yeah. Like, so I, I totally agree. I That's the one saving grace I see for this movie. But, yeah, I'm... Color me unimpressed by the new trailer. Uh, so I, I really have a lot of... Uh, not only a lot of hope, but a lot of belief in this movie. I think I think it's going to be done well. I think it's directed by a great director. I, I, I think that, that you really have an opportunity to grow the DCEU 
to, to start branching it out and where you could really have some interesting twists, turns, characters that you're going to be all bringing together in really like, like, look, we're not going to get, we're not going to get Citizen Kane here. Right? <laughs> we're not going to get, and like, you know that. What a ridiculous story. reference. You know, but like, we're not, we're not going to get, we're not going to get Schindler's List. We're not going to get, you know, one of the, we're not going to get like an amazing, like, like a heart wrenching story that speaks to like, it's this is this is an escape, and I think that the interesting thing about Kristen Wiig's character as Cheetah and her being one of the have-nots versus the haves, I think that's something that speaks to today's society. I think it's something that a lot of people are upset about right now in society today, and I think that it it really is going to resonate with a lot of people, and it's but in the opposite way, which is really interesting because. With Kristen Wiig saying, like, oh, we're the have-nots, but then Wonder Woman being the have, and then having Wonder Woman be there, like, I think it's an interesting take on it and showing that eventually, I bet at the end of the movie, you're going to see that that the two female characters, both both Cheetah and Wonder Woman, are going to end up on the same side. So you mean to tell me that it's going to resonate with a modern audience that... We don't have all of the haves as a mythological island of warrior princesses. Well, I feel like also, I feel like also, <laughs> accurate. Reaganomics is going to make Wonder Woman turn her back on mankind <laughs> in a way that World War One didn't. So that's why she stops, is because, yeah. World War One, I'm okay with. Reaganomics, that's where I draw the line. Trickle down, trickle yeah. down, DC power. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think, I do think it has potential. I think that it, it really, I, I think it's one of those things that, like, we, we really are going, we're very fortunate that we are going to be able to see it next year. Where I, I think it, it could be, into the reboot of the DC Extended Universe that they're going to be trying to do, which is blatantly obvious, and we'll get more into this later on. But I I think that it it could be a really, really good addition. And Gal Gadot, very much like Hugh Jackman, very much like Robert Downey Jr., she just is the character. She just is Wonder Woman, and I believe in her as Wonder Woman. And she she is so commanding, on screen, she is so dominating on screen that I just I love her and I can't wait to see what she has to offer in this movie. Okay, so uh, no, okay, fine. <laughs> so you can't even keep it going. So you let's just move on to the point that you made about the uh, the reboot because we've been talking about this since pretty much the beginning of Ready Set Review about how. The DCEU is a fucking dumpster fire, and they're looking for an out. They're looking for an out on how to either fully reboot or softly reboot the universe. And we said this back when Wonder Woman first came out, that Wonder Woman was both the best and worst thing to happen to DCEU because it was the first movie that was both critically and commercially successful. You know, Batman vs. Superman was commercially successful. It was 50-50 split, for the most part, as far as critics and, and fans were concerned. However... We've long theorized that the Flash movie that has been in development 
for what five years now, four years at, at least. Not as long as the Black Adam movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we have long theorized that this movie was going to be the reset button for the DCU, and a few months ago they finally said, you know, this movie is called Flashpoint, and we all obviously speculated about this for a very long time. So that was the next thing they talked about at Fandom, and this is what's been exciting because this news leaked a few a few weeks ago. Michael Keaton is, I don't believe he's been, yeah, he's, I think he's been confirmed at this point, um, to return as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in Flashpoint. And that's a fucking game changer because, A, it's Michael Keaton. I am Batman. Like, it's Michael fucking Keaton, one of the best Batmans ever put to fucking screen. And the rumors are that he is going to take on a kind of <laughs> Nick Fury type. <laughs> what, I said we were drinking. A Nick Fury type role in this softly rebooted DC universe where they're clearly going to have some sort of multiverse element because the other news that came out just this week is that Batfleck has also returned for Flashpoint. So this is just mind blowing. Now, for you true reviewers out there and fans of the show, you know very well that we believe that Ben Affleck is the best. Batman put to screen. Whoa, not we. He's he's up there. Okay, he's not so the best. The, the important members of this podcast, <laughs> the, the important fifty percent of this podcast, believes that Ben Affleck is actually the best Batman put to screen, and and I really think he's the best blend between Bruce Wayne and Batman, and he is that 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 glue that ties the entire DCEU together. He was in Suicide Squad. He's in Justice League. He's in the, the Superman versus Batman movie. It's great. And now for this point, if he is now going to be in Flash and Flashpoint, it will be the fourth movie that Ben Affleck plays Batman, and it will be more than any other actor has ever played Batman in any other movie save Kevin Conroy in the animated movies. Kevin Conroy has done it in multiple different animated movies, uh, but in terms of live-action movies, Ben Affleck will now be in four different live-action Batman movies, and this is going to literally and, and figuratively solidify him as the definitive, in my opinion, Batman live-action character. You know, and I and I think it's I think it's a really interesting thing. Now, are they going to do a soft reboot? And the fact of the matter that they have both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck is just it it just shows me that they're learning from what went right yeah. with the CW shows. Right. And what what people loved about the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover and what people got right. excited over, people wanted to see. It's just that real wank stuff for fans. Right. Man. Which it's, we've just, been... it's just great. Even if both Michael Keaton, which one of them is going to have a more prominent role and the other is going to have a more subtle role. Right. And, and no matter what, I think it's going to be a great addition to the DCEU. Right. And we've been saying that for months about how the DC has been has been in forever this place, this unique position to take advantage of the fact that they own all the rights to all their characters. Whereas, you know, that's what Marvel struggled with for a very long time. And they still, frankly, to, to a certain extent, do. Um, and they've never taken advantage of it until just now with Crisis on Infinite Earths. And we've, and we've obviously talked about how amazing Crisis on Infinite Earths and the Arrowverse was. But yeah, so, so here's the way I see it's going to play out. 
Because I totally agree. With the exception, with the, aside from the fact that Batman vs. Superman is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> Hands down, unquestionable, the worst movie ever made. Um, ben Affleck, again, yes, was phenomenal in that movie. And it's such a shame that we really haven't gotten a chance to see him live up to his potential as Batman. However, here's what I think is going to happen. Because, remember, the Batman with Robert Pattinson is full-on happening. That movie has been mostly filmed, right? So it doesn't make any sense, and it's almost awkward to have... Because that movie, if if the Batman is even marginally successful, it's going to get a sequel. Because it's not like the Joker. That movie's going to get a sequel. So... To have two live-action Batmans exist at the same time is going to be weird. It's going to be weird. I don't I mean, care how good the movies are. Two live-action Batmans existing at the same time literally in no, one movie. in the same movie is different than in two completely different universes that are not connected at all. Remember, the Batman has no connection, as of right now, to anything else that DC has done. So anyway, I say all that to say, here's what I think they're going to do, and here's what I think they should do. They should bring back... Batfleck for Flashpoint and fucking kill him. End his story. End his story. Keep Michael Keaton on as that Nick Fury whatever character because he's older so he's obviously not doing a lot of action. But Nick Fury between universes? Like, what's going on? Like, he's another... Well, I mean, I mean, I mean Nick Fury in a sense that he's like the, the guy that kind of keeps it all together. You know, he's like the fucking man in the chair. He's the man with the plan. You know, like, like that kind of character because that's who Batman is at the end of the day. It's very Batman Beyondy, right? Very Batman Beyond, the guy in the chair, right? He's a little too old to be Batman, but he can still be Batman, right? So fucking bring Ben Affleck back, fucking kill him, get rid of his story, close his story arc out, because again, the whole, like, we, we can't ignore, like, everybody's fucking wanking themselves right now over the fact that Batfleck is, is back. But we can't, dis, we can't discount the last three years of Ben Affleck as a human being in the real world saying, yo, Warner Brothers is a clusterfuck. I want nothing more to do with this. I am out. You take The Batman, something that I was working on. It was my pet project for years. I was trying to write a script. I was going to direct the movie. I was going to act in it. And he fucking bowed out because of what a clusterfuck was happening at DC. And now all of a sudden it's all sunshine and roses. Maybe it's just sunshine, but it ain't sunshine and roses. I guarantee you. It, It is sunshine and roses because as we learned at DC Fandom, the deification of Zack Snyder has reached a crescendo. <laughs> uh, and we are now in the world that Zack built. Uh, please yeah, keep talking. It's my, my Batman. Uh, <laughs> his Batman is Ben Affleck. <laughs> Zack Snyder has come to save this country with his new Justice League. Dude, the fucking nerve of this guy <laughs> to make a movie as bad as Batman versus Superman and come out here at Fandome with his dick swinging left to right like he's king shit. Are you fucking kidding me? No. This movie, the Snyder Cut, better be better than The Godfather and Infinity War and every other movie ever made put together for this guy to be talking like he is. Fuck this asshole. And it, and it won't be. And the very fact that he used the Hallelujah the song, which he used in Watchmen in the scene where Night Owl is having sex with Silk Spectre in Artie, right? Like, and then the the flare, the the flamethrower. Oh, shoots. when it fucking comes, so, in the- dude. So, so just that very fact you know that it's not going to live up. And the fact that Zack Snyder came out 
and he was talking about my Batman. This guy's ego is through the fucking roof Dude, right it's now. So bad. It is through the roof, and I guarantee you, will the Snyder cut be better than the theatrical cut of Justice League? Most likely, marginally, yes. My yeah. my 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 opinion is it will probably be slightly better than what we got in the theatrical cut. Because it was a comically it's bad movie. It's not going to be. It's not all of a sudden going to be Iron Man. It's not going to be Avengers. It's not going to be Infinity War. It's, <laughs> it's maybe, maybe. Wait, what's the what, what would be the worst Marvel movie? Would, would that be a, a Thor 2. No, Thor 2. Thor 2 is worse. That's probably what it's going to be. It's going to be Thor the Dark World. That's yeah. probably what it's going to be. <laughs> right, again, which, which again, I fully expect the Snyder Cut to be enjoyable because you know as we've talked about before justice league the theatrical cut was comically bad like it was funny we laughed the entire time at how bad it was i fully expect the snyder cut to be great for how bad it was i don't want it to be better because then it won't be as bad and it won't be as good because it was so justice league theatrical cut was the kind of movie that we used to go find on the shelves of Blockbuster in the B-movie section where we would judge the movie we were watching solely by the shitty art on the cover and the description on the back. I'm like, yo, this movie's going to fucking suck. Let's Death watch stalker. it. And then Death we stalker, eat that stalker. Vampires vs. Zombies. Yeah, yes, Scarecrow exactly. Slayer. Scarecrow like Slayer. movies that we love to yeah. watch because they were so bad. It yeah. was B-movie through and through. Yeah. And, yeah, again, the thing with Zack Snyder, like, just... Oh, he makes me so angry with his my Batman and look at me. Can we talk about, all right, last week before Fandome started when he leaked a picture of his Steppenwolf? Okay, listen, I'll give you that his version of Steppenwolf does look a little bit better because the face is different. It's no longer a headgear with the horn. Yeah, it it's, looks, a, it's just an alien face. It looks face. a lot scarier. Right. It looks a, it looks a little scarier, but... The rest of the body is the same. So anyway, my, my point is, when he released his picture of Steppenwolf, his neckbeard followers just fucking jizzed all over the internet about how great it looks. But when you take two seconds to look at it, with the exception of the minor change in his face, it looks exactly the fucking same. It looks exactly the fucking same, and don't tell me it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yes, it does! No. Pull the I picture mean, right now! Pull the picture right now. It's like that office meme where it's, you know, show me the difference between these two. You know, corporate needs to know the difference between these two. It's basically the same. They are the same picture. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have, I'm, I disagree with that. I think that the, the version that Zack Snyder has, I think it's darker. I think it's grittier. I think it's scarier. But does that mean that it's going to make a better A villain and B better story? No. no. Like, yes, I guarantee you there will probably be better scenes yeah, in Zack Snyder's Justice League. But as far as a coherent, gripping story, it's not going to make a bit of difference. I think you're underestimating the vision of Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, this is a new... Of his... his we are, we are turning the page on a new chapter in the DC story, and nothing uh. will ever be the same. The story that he would have finished had things gone better, he is going, he is going to remake this universe in his own image. <laughs> 
and it's going to be brilliant. So here's the thing, though. And, and is he now going to be the universe runner? Is he going to be the Kevin Feige of the DC universe? Just because all of these neckbeard fans are clamoring because they wanted a banner to fight behind that they never... It's like a dog chasing a car, never thought they would get, and they're going to get the Zack Snyder cut, and it's going to be... Not only is it going to be a one-part train wreck, it is going to be a four-part train wreck. So that is a four-part miniseries that is going to be a four-part train wreck. So that's the one thing I want to talk about, okay? Because, again, I don't want to give Zack Snyder any sort of leeway because he hasn't earned it. He hasn't earned a single shred of my respect as a comic book fan. What other director has gotten $20 million to... $30 million. $30 million to reshoot a movie that... Already came out four years ago. Yeah. So so here so here's the thing. Here's the way I look at it. Because when when Batman vs Superman came out in the theaters, it was the worst movie ever made. It still is the worst movie ever made. And then the Ultimate Edition came out with like an additional forty five minutes of footage. And when that first came out, we talked about it like before race interview, just us hanging out. We're like, oh, okay, like maybe he'll use that additional forty five minutes to plug in the 6,000 plot holes that are in this movie, right? No. He took an additional 45 minutes to just do exposition and bullshit that did nothing for the movie. So And create more plot holes. Create more plot holes. <laughs> so on the surface, when I saw that Snyder Cut was going to be a four-part miniseries, I was like, oh, okay. So this actually gives him, you know, let, let's call it four hours, most likely, to tell a coherent story. To and then I said... Green Lantern, right. and Martian Manhunter. And then I said, wait a minute... He had that chance with Batman vs. Superman and fucked it up. So why do I think that he's not going to fuck it up again? Like, it's just going to be four hours of slow-motion action scenes. <laughs> so it just occurred to me that there was one other director that years and years after the original release of their movie was given additional money to make edits and reshoot the original movie that they did. And that director was George Lucas with the Star Wars Special Edition. Now, wow, I for you Star Wars purists out there, if you can tell me that the fucking Special Edition is better than the original theatrical cut of those movies, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's not. There, there's, there's, there's select little things that happened in some of the the special features. I loved seeing the the literal two seconds that you see the Outrider blasting yeah. out of Tatooine. It's a nice little right. you know wank stuff. For and fans. the extended music scene in the cantina is cool, but like it does nothing for the story. But all of the other edits that they've done, Han, the the Han shot first. Uh-huh. And all of the edits where he didn't shoot first, but then he did shoot first, but then he didn't shoot first. Like, how many times has it been edited? Literally, Yoda, Yoda has even been edited out of the first movie, where where in episode one, he was a puppet in episode one, and they edited it, so now he's CGI to make him look like he does in episode two and episode three. And it's just like, and it's but it's just like, it doesn't make a lick of difference. It doesn't make the movie better. <laughs> it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Yeah. Especially with the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six, when George Lucas reshot those and had the the millions of dollars that he got, 
you know, for his golden casket that's going to taste like licorice so all of his fans can come up and lick his casket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's, 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 it's just... Just go with it. It's going to be the most ridiculous thing. It wasn't good then. It's not going to be good now. Well, I think a better um, movie to, to bring up would be Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. I think that, I mean... Because Superman 2 was half directed by Richard Donner. And then he was replaced. And then years later, he got to return to finish his vision. Now, I would agree, his vision is much better than Zack Snyder's. But I'm, you know, the only issue is both directors couldn't direct anything new. So I right. feel like the, the problem is Snyder is going to try to respond to all these critiques, criticisms, and failures, and I feel like he's just going to end up haphazardly throwing things in. I feel like there's going to be some sort of weird narration that'll maybe tie things in. I feel like he's going to really try to, like, shoehorn in all these critiques, and I don't think it's going to end up working out. Montages. That is what I bet you are going to see a shit ton. It is... I believe that there will be more montages... In the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, than there were in all of motherfucking uh, um, Rocky. Well, I mean Rocky Four was the one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. uh, well, but see, but so you're you're probably right because again, if we because really all we have to go on for the most part is Batman versus Superman, and in Batman versus Superman, instead of showing us pointed emotional scenes of what happens when Superman is on Earth saving human beings, instead of showing us that, what we got was a roughly six-minute montage of him saving a people, saving a family from a flood, and having a bunch of people, you know, paw at him like he's Jesus. And that's just supposed to make us believe that the world loves Superman. Yeah. Like, that's it. That was his montage to make us feel something when Superman was killed by Doomsday. Which we obviously felt nothing when Superman died at the end of Batman vs. Superman. So, yes. Oh, I totally oh, I agree. I felt something. I felt joy. Because <laughs> fucking somebody died. And it made me just... I wish I wish it was the whole movie that had died. I wish Doomsday had just killed the whole movie. You know. I agree. When he died, I just assumed that meant the movie was over. <laughs> so like, it, it, it's kind of like I was just like, oh, like, you know, my my long nightmare has finished. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, but again, not to shit on Batman vs Superman again because we do it all the time. But been. but how pathetic is it that he he kills him? In an absolutely unceremonious way, because we've we've numerous times picked apart. We we and, we and not only does it not mean anything, we have numerous times on this show picked apart how little sense it makes when we know that Wonder Woman chopped off Doomsday's fucking arm with her sword, yet Superman still thought it was a better idea to use the Kryptonite spear. Like that's neither here nor there. And we, you know, all right, we're getting off on a tangent. Right. The fact that, like, so, like, we were supposed to be talking about Flashpoint. No, we're, we were we're supposed, supposed to be talking, talking about, about Flashpoint. The Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. And, hashtag like, yeah, the Zack Snyder cut. Yeah, hashtag Snyder cut. I appreciate that there are people that want to rally behind a banner right now. And that is very much what people in today's society want to do. And I 
support you. Go ahead. Rally behind your banner. Vote gold. Vote gold. Hashtag vote gold. Right? So, I, you know, like people are going to have their hills that they want to die on. Right? But at the end of the day, like, it, like you're going to see that just like voting gold, it's not going to give you any better result than what you had to start with. Yeah, because again, the things, <laughs> the issues we have with what Snyder has done with his movies, these are not subjective issues. It's not about, you know, like, oh, the cinematography, like, yeah, we shit on the darkness, or like, whatever. The core issues are things that you simply cannot argue. They are plot holes. There are plot holes and lack of character development that cannot be explained away by an artist's vision. It's just being fucking lazy because all you know how to do is direct scenes that are shot directly from the panels of a comic book page. Okay. So I, I think we've, we've, we've talked about the <laughs> Zack Snyder cut enough. I can, think, we, can we do that just, shot now? Because yeah, like, now my fucking blood is boiling. I got this shot ready <laughs> to fucking just like so, to cool down so, after the Snyder cut so, talk. Here's to you, Zack Snyder, for possibly being the smartest man in the film industry right now, because you rallied the neckbeards, you rallied all of the fanboys. It's a fucking cult. It's and fucking and cult. They, they got you a huge, huge paycheck from HBO Max, who is just craving content right now. Here's to you, Zack Snyder. I may not appreciate what you're doing, but goddamn, I respect it. <laughs> you will watch all four episodes as soon as they drop. I'll do yeah, yeah, yeah. as soon as they drop. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Ming and Mike on notice for a special edition of Jack Acid Flashback. We should watch live, watch along all four episodes. Oh, and for those of you who do not know. Well, uh, Matt Magnifico and Anthony Marino are the special guest hosts of Jack Acid Flashbacks, also co-hosted by Ming Chen and Mike Zapsik from A Comic Book Man. Great show. Go on. Wherever you download your podcast, plug, download plug, plug, it. Plug, 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 so let's get back on to fandom now that we've had our Schneider cut. So just for those also, of you, the episode we, of Lost Boys that we, we skip do, way ahead. and the episode of Cocktail that we do for Jack great. Acid Flashbacks great. are both great episodes. They're really much. They're very very entertaining yeah. uh, podcasts. So really strong, very different than this podcast. So really strongly encourage you guys to to go and take a listen. So let's move on to something that was uh, the this for me was the one of two major highlights of. Uh, I was like one of the three major highlights of fandom. They uh, released an extended trailer. It was like a five-minute-long trailer um, that showed a lot of gameplay and a lot of setup for the new game in the Arkham series. Yeah. Um, and this one, I think, especially hits a little bit different for me and Anthony because Anthony recently restarted uh, playing Arkham Knight, and I had actually never finished the game. I actually never even came anywhere close. I got involved in other games. But I went back, and I was like, let me fucking play this game again. And, dude, Arkham Knight is one of the best games ever. Like, flat out ever. period. Like, it's yeah. certainly one of Especially the best Especially when you get the DLC. Games yeah, it's, like, it's, it's the amazing. the reason I bought a PlayStation 4. When yeah. I bought yeah. a PlayStation it's amazing. 4, it yeah. was because of that game. So at Fandom, they released the uh, a very long trailer for the new game in the Arkham series called Arkham Knights, and it directly follows uh, Arkham, Arkham Knight, um, which, spoiler alert, Batman dies at the end of Arkham Knight. Yeah. Um, and it's all about uh, the Red Hood, 
Robin, Tim Drake, Robin, uh, Nightwing, and so here's my first question about the game. Batgirl. 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 But who is Batgirl? Because she's very obviously the paralyzed Oracle in Arkham Knight. So right. is it Barbara Gordon? We don't know from the trailer. No, we don't know. So we that don't might be a cool Sandra little Kane? right. So that might be know. a cool little reveal. But anyway, I say all this to say the 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 voice acting, the cutscenes that they showed in the trailer, and the gameplay look out of this world. It, it, it looks absolutely phenomenal and, and really, really excited, really happy that, that DC decided to make this a part of their fandom story, like the whole part of the, just the, the, the whole, everything that they were doing today. I'm really glad that we got a chance to see the trailer, to hear from some of the people that were involved in making the game, and it, it looks just, it, it's very, very exciting, and hopefully, if it's going to come out for PS4, I would imagine. I don't I'm actually. Sure. I I don't. You know what? I should. I don't remember what they said. But my guess assume, would be PS5. Because PS5 comes out later this yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to come out in December for yeah. Christmas. But I bet you it's going to be one of those games that'll be playable on both platforms. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. But I, I think that it's going to be. It's going to be one of those games that, like, all of a sudden, like. One of the things that I immediately notice is I don't really care for how the red hood looks, but that's just because I'm a Jason Todd fanboy. But I just, I mean, I think it's going to be an amazing game, and I think it's going yeah. to be a great addition to the Arkham series. So one thing, so on that same note, one thing I particularly noticed and I absolutely loved was the way that Tim Drake looked. It was very Red Robin-y, but it looks like he's not wearing a cape. It almost looks like he's wearing some sort of armor, like a but a long, flowy, almost kind of chainmail-y thing. Like it's very, it, it's very Tim Drake esque because as we all know, Tim Drake is like a super genius that you know finds different ways to do things and doesn't follow in the footsteps of Bruce as much as people like Barbara Gordon or Jason Todd or Dick Grayson did. So I really appreciate the way that his costume looks different. And of course the way that Jason Todd has the you know the fucking guns or like whatever. So what I like the what I like going into this game is the fact that it seems the main story will involve all four playable characters and all four of them seem to have their own unique set of moves, abilities gear, gadgets, like, that, that's just all, like, games like that to me are just, like, amazing, like, top yeah. two, like, I, I can't wait. And I love the, like, the post-Batman world that we're seeing, right? So yeah. So, almost like Batwoman Season 1, or maybe even a little bit of, uh, like, Batman Beyond, or right. Fight for the Cow, you know, so, Batman's gone, Jim Gordon's gone, this is a brand new Batman, and it would be great to see, like, maybe a Batwoman introduction, setting the seeds for that. I mean, it seems like this series is going to keep on going on. I mean, like, they just keep, you know... Yeah, because it's all coherent. It's all one yeah. story all the way dating all the way back from Arkham Asylum. It's all one cohesive yeah. story. Like, and if this is indeed... Uh, so we are talking midway through fandom. Yeah. So there is another game coming out that DC's going to announce later um, mm -hmm. after our halftime show here. And that is uh, the... the um, Suicide Squad versus Justice League. Yeah, yes. like, the death I would, of I would love like uh, kills the kills the Justice yeah, League. Yeah. So it just seems to be inspired by Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. But I would love to see some sort of connection between the two because I feel like that's what Marvel is starting to set up with their Spider Man and Avengers games. It would be great to see like maybe you know this exists in the world of the Arkham Knight. Totally. I mean, and we have so many like. We're starting to have connected universes in animated movies, in live-action movies. Connected universes are, are really like a huge fad. I will call it a fad right now, but 
I mean, it's, it's something that a lot of people are interested in because of the success of the Marvel Universe, and everybody wants to see that connected universe. Mm-hmm. So why not have it more in video games outside of a single linear line of video games where you can, where it's almost like Mario, right? Where all of a sudden you see Mario as like the referee in Punch-Out! You see him <laughs> and all these other things, right? So like being able to connect it into the, the single universe of this incredible line of games that they've done, I would, I would very much love to see it. And in Arkham Knight, that came out in 2015 that that we you know have just recently uh, finished playing, which is just a phenomenal game. Harley Quinn in that game is awesome. So bringing that character over into the Suicide Squad game, which they're going to do, would be really really awesome to see. And I love, I love Harley Quinn away from the Joker. I love yep. I love her away like. Having her not be directly involved with the Joker, having her not be dependent upon the Joker, having her be her own character, where she is, she is sort of Joker-like in her femininity and and like her character itself. But she's very, very different. She's a very different character, and and I really am looking forward to actually seeing what this game has to offer. I couldn't agree more. And speaking of Suicide Squad. The other part of DC fandom yes. that has me yes. fucking just rock hard yes. is the whole vignette they did with James Gunn and the whole cast of Suicide Squad. Because so we said from day yeah. one, when Suicide Squad Two was announced, we were like, "Ew!" And then they said Suicide Squad Two, directed by James Gunn. We were like, "Oh!" <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were like that meme it's, with it's like with the call Suicide Squad Two, right? It's just, just the, suicide, mean, squad. It's the, the suicide, suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. We were, we were like that. We were like that meme with the fat white woman. She's like, "Ew!" And then it's like, "Oh, James Gunn," because again, we talked about this before. If there's because she's fat, look at the meme. She's, I mean, she's, she's fat. That's, that's so if there's that's what? What am I fattest now? Like, was is that a thing? Like, I mean, you kind of are fat. So whatever. She's I'm, fat. <laughs> she's fucking fat. Nothing worse than somebody hating their own kind. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, oh, baby. Cracking on the beer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if there's one person that could make a Suicide Squad movie and make it well, it's James Gunn. It's, like he's just twisted enough to fucking make a good movie like that. And in my opinion, of all the things that we took a look at today, you know, there were there were really two main events in terms of like the quality of just just the content that they were talking about. Seeing James Gunn interact with the entire ensemble cast of Suicide Squad. If you had did not get a chance to see it today during DC Fandom, I strongly encourage see if you can find it yeah. on YouTube or anywhere else. It is an absolutely amazing dichotomy that he has with all of his cast. I mean, James Gunn even goes so far, and maybe this was just a little bit of fan service, but he goes so far to say that he has never worked with a cast that he enjoyed more. Which, I mean, he has made some amazing movies, and here we are, like now with a Suicide Squad movie, with... With, with a story that is much more in line of what Suicide Squad should be. They shouldn't be fighting a super villain. They should be fighting, like, a military villain. They should, right. be, they should be in there almost as, like, a war movie. And that's what the movie seems to be, is a very gritty 1970s Vietnam-style apocalypse now, 
you know, like platoon style war movie that's going to be very gritty. It's going to be very gory. It's going to be awesome. And then that's the Suicide Squad that we're going to get. And that's what we should get because that's what the Suicide Squad is. Well, so so I'm glad you mentioned the James Gunn thing and talking with the cast because that was something that stood out to me also because the, you know, like taking, again, Zack Snyder as an example. When Zack Snyder was talking with Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot at Fandome, it was very painfully obvious that everybody was reading off of a fucking teleprompter. When James Gunn yeah. was there with Idris Elba and John Cena and Margot Robbie and the rest riffing. of the cast, just, they were just riffing yeah. and they were clearly enjoying themselves. They clearly had an amazing experience on set. Like it was, it, it, it came through. Like it was very obvious. And that you know, again, Ed, you know, because you work in the industry, like that's that spe- having that kind of work environment that speaks for something in terms of the quality of the movie you're going to get, especially a comedy like that where yeah. I feel like, and it's it's an ensemble comedy. They release the poster for Suicide Squad, and it's just like twenty people running. Like you can barely make out all the characters, which just shows that it's such an ensemble. That's and, great. And, and I've heard from inside sources that like the script included music, just like the Guardians of the Galaxy script, so that you know. Just like Guardians of the Galaxy was written with those particular volume songs in mind, that he has done the same thing for Suicide Squad. That they even like played uh, the the music like during the um, the production. So like, I, if it's, it's just going to be the DC Universe's Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's what they need. They need something light because our biggest Zack Snyder and all of DC, uh, their biggest problem is they're dark. They're so but, dark, and this is going to be light and. Fun, I, I think it's going to be great. And so, so okay, okay. okay. I don't yeah, not think like, it's going to be light, or uh, I think it's going to be fun. Lighthearted. It's not going to be lighthearted. Well, I there think will be lighthearted moments. There's going to be yeah, a lot of, of bodies course, dropping. Of course, there's going to be a, but there's going to be a lot of yeah. bodies. Like dropping. Nathan Fillion is like playing. A black comedy Nathan Fillion is playing yeah. a character mm-hmm. called TDK. Who the fuck is that? He's going to die. No idea yeah, sure. who he is. People are going to die. And it's going to be gruesome. They're going to die in a fun way. <laughs> no, you know, it's not going to be like a police officer with their knee on his neck. It's going to be like a, you know, it's going to be a fun way of dying. What is a fun way of dying? Wow, topical. That was a strange segue. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about dying in a fun way. So, what would be dying in a fun way? What What is a fun way of seeing murder? <laughs> Welcome to the A cab section of this episode of Rice. No, really uh, I was talking about like fictional characters dying. You know, in, in the way that like Deadpool like kills people in the comic oh, like, like for instance, you know, Deadpool famously killed uh, a character in his comic once because they liked the prequels more than the original trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the type of James Gunn murder oh. we're gonna see. Oh, you mean like when Ryan Reynolds shot Previous Ryan Reynolds yes, in the back of the, the past head. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> when he was reading the Green Lantern script. <laughs> dude, but, dude, but for real, though, like, even with the, in, in the trailer they showed for Suicide Squad, just top to bottom, it looks amazing. And, like, like right off the bat, the first thing I noticed was the outfit they put Margot Robbie in as Harley Quinn. Epically better than what she yeah. was in the first yeah. Suicide Squad yeah. movie. Not overly sexualized. Like, right. It steals from, you know, like what they did with Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Exactly. You know, like, she's a beautiful woman. She doesn't need to not be wearing any clothes right. to, to sell the movie. But then, And then they also have these like crazy, like almost silly, but comic accurate suits. Like they put John Cena's character in where he has like the fucking helmet on. And it's like this glossy, <laughs> oh, shiny metal. And he's this bright colored, like, Douchebag, like it all looks like it's gonna work. 
Will we get... Well, we'll, we'll get there. But John Cena's character in Suicide Squad, I'm very excited for. I think he's he is really he is really transcended. He has he's he's really made very slowly because he did a lot of bad movies in order to get where he is now. Yeah. But I think he has really transcended well, very much like Dwayne Johnson and very much like Dave Batista. Because well, comedy think, is his game. They put him in action. Yeah, they put him in action movies because yeah, he's a wrestler and he's fucking jacked and he looks like he can play an action star. And like yeah, like you know, the Marine is a fucking stupid action movie, like whatever. Yeah. But the first time I saw him in a comedic role, like I think Trainwreck was the first time I saw him like a truly comedic role. I was blown away. I was like, dude, which, he just has natural comedic ability. Which, in all fairness, in all honesty, The Rock can't do. Dwayne Johnson does not do comedy well. Yep. He is he is the biggest and best action star that there is right now, but he cannot do comedy, right? <laughs> Tooth Fairy was a terrible movie, right? Right? Any of the comedies that Rock tried to do, that Dwayne Johnson tried to do, they were not great. Now movies, he can right? do comedy However, in terms of action, though. He can be the straight man, like yeah, 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 yeah. he's a great straight man. In or the or or what he did with Samuel L. Jackson in the other guys, yeah. right? That was he was a straight guy, and they jump off the top of the roof, and they like, oh, we're just gonna hit the bushes, and then they don't hit the bushes, and they die. And it's hilarious. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> a movie that came out fifteen years ago, whatever. But hilarious at the same time. John Cena, on the other hand. He has really, he did all of these little cameo appearances in these other movies, including like, you know, cop walkers or whatever, like where he was more of a major star, where he had to butt chug in that movie. <laughs> and that just, it was just so funny. And it was just, he's electric. Yeah, it's great. He is so good. And I can't wait to see him on screen. But the fact of the matter is, is that the difference between Suicide Squad and a lot of other things in the DCEU is that Suicide Squad has not and will not be touched by Zack by Zack Snyder. Thank fucking God. And that's what's going to make it good. Well, we say this now, but after the triumphant release of Zack Snyder's uh. Justice League, <laughs> our Lord and Savior, Mr. Snyder, he will be given uh, he will be given final cut on Suicide Squad. And he'll add a lot of shadow, a lot of fire, <laughs> and for some reason... And bad music. He's going to put the yeah. worst music oh, to God. And you know what's going to bring the Suicide Squad together? All of their moms are going to be named Martha. <laughs> dude, Zack Snyder's going to make every... Dude, every... Why did you say that name? Dude, every trailer for every DC movie going forward is going to be like... Wah! Wow! It's just going to be all music from other Zack Snyder movies. Like, yeah. It's just going to be all Hallelujah. Dude, like, it's just from now on, it's just every intro song is just going to be Hallelujah. Every Zack Snyder like, movie oh. just sounds like Hans Zimmer coming all over the place. So like, It's so terrible. So I don't know you, why people like Hans Zimmer. For you, for you comic book fans that are out there, and you who are supporting the Zack Snyder cut, Zack Snyder today was asked a phenomenal question. And that question was, who is your favorite superhero? And he said, aside from Batman. And then he made a pause and he said, wait, let me stay in the DC universe. So 
he, yeah. you know that you know who's favorite, signing the checks. You know that he knows, he knows who's signing the know checks. That his favorite character is not a DC character right. immediately, but he went and he said, "My favorite DC character is Doctor Manhattan." Doctor Manhattan. Now. The Watchmen show that was on HBO was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I really and, and even the the super duper extended cut of Watchmen where they they wrap in the animated Black Freighter, you know, animated. I really did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed Watchmen when it first came out. But the fact of the matter is, for Zack Snyder to say that Doctor Manhattan is his favorite character, a guy who literally has no emotion, really no depth, really no no balance of power. He's just like the ultimate superpowered person who can do anything. I think if you do not see that as an issue with him directing or or being put in the forefront of of like an entire universe, that's a problem. Because like this guy does not know comic books. He doesn't know comics, right? He knows scenes in comics, yeah. which he tries to fit into a movie. He does not tell a coherent story. Right. I'm fairly certain he can't read. I was, I was, I was so, just going to say, he's like that guy that doesn't know how to read, that just flips through the pages and admires the art. So, so when he reads a comic book, it's an entirely visual medium to him. Right. So he doesn't read the words, so... It's not that he doesn't understand the story. He doesn't know it exists. He just thinks it's a bunch of colors. Dark colors, And again, we'll we'll say it again for as much as we do not respect Zack Snyder, or we do not appreciate Zack Snyder, we do not believe that you are good, but goddamn, we respect you because you did it. You got a chance to remake a movie and get $30 million to make a movie that was already made and was... A disaster of a movie from a financial standpoint. Well, I mean, it made some money, I guess. I don't know. But like, no, frankly, it, it, like, in terms of what it should have made, it, it yeah, made like seven hundred million dollars. Like oh, nothing. Yeah, it should it should have made two billion. Yeah. So versus the five hundred yeah, million that it cost. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it only made two hundred million dollars profit. Yeah. Which is so <laughs> ridiculous. Amount. So I want to clarify as much as. Zack Snyder is at the pinnacle of a industry that I want to be, and I would love to be a director, and I have not done it yet, and I and I acknowledge all that. I don't actually respect Zack Snyder. I, I just want to make that actually very clear. Yeah, I, that, that, that's just strictly Anthony. I don't I, respect him either. I, I dressed up like Superman when I was like I used to go to preschool with Superman clothes underneath my regular clothes. I would run around and I would become a Superman is like religion to me, and. He actually made a movie about by far my favorite fictional character that I cannot watch, <laughs> and that is that is something impressive. Like there is no, there is no, there is no, there is no equivalent. Like Kirk kind of three, you know. <laughs> like I can like Rise of Skywalker is disappointing, but you know no, it's like it. it's what he has done to Superman is worse than. Any person has done to probably any fictional character ever. ever. Yeah, because again, the difference between Rise of Skywalker and Batman vs Superman is this. So Rise of Skywalker. Do you we, think that no. Rise of Skywalker is a better movie than Batman vs? Ten thousand percent it is. Terrible. Ten thousand percent it is. Thing Kingdom of the so Crystal Skull. 
blows Batman versus Superman out yeah, of the because, wall. Because, see, here's the, because here's the reason... Here's the reason I can't why... I believe you just said that. I can't believe that's an actual... No, listen, there, there, there are two primary reasons why Rise of Skywalker is better than Batman vs. Superman. The first reason is that Rise of Skywalker doesn't really have any plot holes, per se. They just barrel through it like the fucking train in Inception to just negate any of the plot holes. They don't even make you think about, like, you know, where could Palpatine come from? It's like, yeah, no, he's back. You don't ask questions. He's back. Like, it doesn't matter. But Batman vs. Superman sets up all of these different little plot threads and attempts to tug on them to make a coherent story, and they all just go into a black hole of nothingness. And they create legitimate, huge, massive plot holes that make no sense to the story. But more importantly, here's the crowning failure of Batman vs. Superman. Star Wars, any character from Star Wars... Did not exist before 1978, 77, 77, 77, before 77, right? So that, that's, or, that's, that's I mean, still... technically like 75 when he started... Right, okay, so, so that's still a solid 40-ish years of, of continuity to build upon, right? And and arguably, characters like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, are some of the most popular characters in fandom. Iconic. Right? Iconic. Iconic, right? Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman have been around... For at this point, almost one hundred years, yeah, they are they are un they are un unquestionably, regardless of how you feel about characters like Spider Man, the X Men, and Marvel, unquestionably three of the most iconic, beloved characters, not just in America, in the entire world. They should not have needed to. They, they should have been able to fucking shit any movie out of their stinky assholes with these three characters and make it flawless. And they fucked it up. They fucked up three of the easiest characters. No, three of the easiest... You cannot pee into Mr. Coffee and get Taster's Choice. No, dude. You cannot. Dude, my point point is that there is so much continuity to pull from from these characters that they should have been able to make this movie with their eyes closed. But instead, they chose to take you down this windy road of nonsense yeah. to try to relate to some audience that so doesn't exist. I think, that's, I think that's the point, is that they did make this movie with their eyes closed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe, okay. Maybe that's true. Like, uh, I, think, I think they were trying to do exactly like, that. But <laughs> now, as much as I love making fun of somebody who can't read, uh, which is what we've been doing <laughs> for the past few minutes. Let, let's, You're let's, never going to get hired by Zack Snyder. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about something uh, that was actually good uh, about the future of the DCU. Yeah, well, Black yeah. Adam. Yeah. yeah, so let's talk about the other main event, right? And fat, fat, it's fat, just, fat, 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 fat. It's just, you know... <laughs> we've talked Fuck about, you, Rock! We've Fuck you for being talked, so awesome! We talked for a year... We've talked for a year about the rock bubble and the fact that there is going to be a burst in the rock bubble. I do not see it. It's the one thing I've been wrong about. It's the one thing I've been wrong about. The fact I was so afraid that Dwayne Johnson wasn't going to appear and he wasn't going to talk. I thought thought maybe he's too big of a star. I mean, he's literally the biggest star. I thought that he wasn't gonna uh, he wasn't gonna care enough. I didn't think he was going to, and I don't know why. I just didn't think he was going to appear. He wasn't gonna interview for this. And not only did he interview, he had more time talking. He spent more time 
more detail. He cut a, a promo. Other he cut a fucking promo on the entire DC universe. He cut a promo. And he's just... He called out Superman. He called out Shazam. He called out Batman. And he's like, Black Adam's coming for you. He cut a fucking promo. I, I, and it was awesome. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. Dwayne Johnson is everything that is good about this world right now. He is everything that is good. He always seems like he cares about every single... And the guy just does so many different projects. But he always cares about every single project that he does. And that shot that we did for Zack Snyder was Terramana Tequila. Right? That was Thank you. Tequila. <laughs> he cares. And it is, in my opinion, for the price, the best tequila on the market. Hands down. And, and we are tequila connoisseurs. But this guy, I mean, he just, he just, everything he touches, just, it reeks passion. It reeks desire. It reeks research. It reeks, like, just, 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 like, everything that is good that you want to see in a main character. And I am so unbelievably excited for what the potential of Black Adam the movie could be. Yeah. And like, and it was just, it was in my opinion, out of everything that we saw today, that was my favorite thing. Yeah. Was and, just, I, and I've been, and, and I'll fully, I'll come out and admit this. I have been, I have said it on the podcast before that I was skeptical of the rock as Black Adam because yeah. it just seemed yeah. like a part that he really couldn't play, you know. But then watching him talk at Fandom and realizing, like you said, it's like, okay, clearly he's approaching this with the same intensity and the same dedication that he does everything else. And that in and of itself is going to make this movie good. And it's got me very excited, especially because for the first time at Fandom, we realize that we're going to get characters like Adam Smasher, Doctor Fate. There, so this is like going to be like. So this is not just going to be a standalone movie. This is going to be like a serious world building movie for the D DC universe. And that, on top of everything else, has me excited. Yeah. I'm just excited it's happening because it's it's been <laughs> in the ether <laughs> for ten years. Ten and so I, I didn't think it was going to happen until today. And, and we were watching yeah. Fandom together, and we we're all wondering what this Black Adam panel would be like or whatever. And and we were like, as long as Somehow The Rock is involved. The movie is happening for him to basically host the whole thing, and and to have him be the center of this amazing uh, concept art by Jim Lee. Like that was good, and uh, I think it's just going to be great. And and I also love. I, I really enjoyed the Shazam movie. Yeah. And and what I really like is that we're going to have the first villain origin story within the DCE. So, we're, yeah. you know, he's going to have his own separate movie. I love that. So, if there was anything that I would have to nitpick and pick apart of what he said is he kept referring to Black Adam as an anti-hero. And that is not the case. Black Adam is a villain. Yeah. He is an absolute villain. And I'm hoping that that is really what this movie has to offer. And you're going to see Black Adam rip apart, like, physically destroy people and I hope you see him as a ruthless murdering killer because that is what the character is and he's also very regal the other thing that I really hope that we get a chance to see is I never want to see Black Adam walking I want to see him with yep. his arms crossed and his legs together and him floating yeah, his brother Dan because he is just well, 
Thank you for the inside joke that none of our listeners know about. But anyway, so, but I, I, but that is very much the way that Black Adam is in the comics. He believes that he is above. He belongs above everyone else. So he doesn't walk. He doesn't. He floats everywhere that he goes. Yep. Because because he belongs above everyone else. And I'm hoping that that's exactly what we get a chance to see in this movie. And just like Suicide Squad, one of the reasons that I think that this movie is going to be good is because it is not being touched by Zack yeah, Zack Snyder's nowhere Slayer. near it. Yeah. Yep. He's nowhere near it. He's not in. It's not in. All right. So real quick, time check before, because we've got, we do want to get to DC Fandom is about to hit uh, the Batman panel in about 15 minutes. Okay. So before we, before we wrap up, two more things um, about fandom that were announced that I want to touch on really quickly because they got me very excited. A, Static Shock live action movie was announced. And listen, don't tell me anything else awesome. about it. I don't yeah. need to know anything else right now. I don't yeah, want to make a Static Shock yeah. movie. Fucking great. great. Awesome. Great. I'm on board. Yeah. Static Shock is fucking great. Yeah. I don't cool. care who's cat. Like, yeah. whatever. I'm in. Cool. The bigger thing that I'm excited about... And, and I think, uh, Ed, you, you quoted it before. You want to see the George Clinton static shock. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely want the... Epilogue. The Days of Future yeah. Past static yeah. shock. I want yeah. to see yeah. young static shock. I want to see old static shock. Yeah. So here's the other thing that got me really excited. Yeah. And I, I don't know how it's going to work because they haven't really built to it through the first two seasons. But because this particular show has been so epically good... They, they, they get my vote of confidence until I see it on the screen. Uh, Red Hood has been confirmed for Titans Season 3. And I think that it's it feels like a bit of a rush job because Titans Season 2 ended and they hadn't killed Jason Todd yet. So it's going to be a bit of a rush job, I feel like. However, Titans Season 1 and 2 were so fucking incredibly good that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. My hope is that it's not Red Hood Jason Todd, that it's Red Hood potentially Joker. That that they cause no, they, they, no, they couldn't no they confirmed that they since the announcement they confirmed that the guy that plays Jason Todd is gonna be Red Hood. That's what they confirmed. <laughs> so, so I mean, so here's the thing. So, here, so here's the thing, right? I mean, it's. it's I, I think it's too. I think it's rushed. It feels it's like a rush job for sure. Rushed. But but here's similar the thing. to the death of, of Superman in Batman versus Superman, it doesn't mean anything. But so you don't you don't you you need to see Jason Todd be Robin. You need to see him get murdered by the Joker. Well, you need so, to see the conflict in Batman. You need to see the effect in the Batman character. Like before Batman, before Jason Todd dies, Batman was a very bubbly character. Nope. Then nope, after nope. Jason Todd dies, he nope. becomes very dark. Nope, nope. Here's where here's where I'm gonna fucking shoot that down. Because here's why. So yes, you need to see all of that, but it does not need to be Batman because in Titans, if you think about specifically season two, you get you get they they developed in season two and they did a really good job with this. Developing a Batman and Robin type relationship between Nightwing and Jason Todd. So it doesn't need to be Batman, but what they do need to do is they need to kill Jason Todd immediately. Because figured figured it'll be another twelve or thirteen episodes like the first two seasons were, right? They need to kill uncomfortable, brutal. Right. They need to kill. He needs to be hit in the head with a crowbar. Which Titans already is. Titans is brutal, right? So they they need to kill Jason Todd immediately, and they need to spend like 
four to five episodes showing the effect that has on Nightwing, because Nightwing takes the place of Batman in this universe, essentially, right? And then spend the second half of the season on the introduction of Red Hood, and eventually, because you can remember, figure it's going to be 13, that's 13 hours. 13 hours is a lot of time mm -hmm. to tell a story. And while we think about it in terms of a season, it feels rushed, right? But I think they can do it, and again, unlike Zack Snyder, the people behind Titans have proven that they can tell a story and they can do the characters correctly and make you feel something for the characters. So even though we feel it's going to be a little rushed right now, they get the benefit of the doubt because of what they've done previously. Like, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and as a, you know, kind of closing statements, I, you know, there's, there's nothing more than everything that we got a chance to see and including a lot of the things where... They were, they were showing a lot of the diversity in DC that they're doing right now. A lot of the things that we didn't really get a chance to talk about and, and that we didn't get a chance to dive into because we were trying to keep this on topic with what our show yeah, normally joke. talks about. So, like, But I really am so appreciative of Warner Brothers and DC for putting together Fandom. This has been an exciting day. It's been really, really just... A bright spot in in a COVID world, and it's and it's really like it, it's really been like an amazing thing. So, more than anything, if you if you haven't seen Fandom, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, I strongly encourage go and see anything that you can on YouTube. Look at everything that is available to be able to be seen because every single interview I really thought was like even the things that I didn't like. I thought it was incredibly dynamic. I thought it was really great with what they what they're trying to do and what they're trying to give their fans. And that is the number one thing is that they obviously, beyond a shadow of a doubt, love their fans. And that is one of the most important things for me. And I'm really excited to see where the future of not only the DC movie universe, the DC animated universe the DC comic book movie universe goes, where Warner Brothers goes with this, where HBO Max goes with this. I am excited for the future based off of what I saw today during DC Fandom. So, all of that, plus I'm going to close with something that friend of the show, Dan Tucker, just <laughs> sent me, and oh, I'm God. dying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tweet from uh, someone named Dave Elric. I don't, I don't know who this guy is, but whatever. His his tweet says, oh my God. <laughs> the Snyder Cut is just Quanon for nerds. QAnon. It's just QAnon for nerds. Nerd. Whatever. Yes, sorry, 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 I don't know how to properly like pronounce Snyder, a conspiracy read. theory. <laughs> yes, so we've learned that Matt Bacon like Zack Snyder, cannot read. You get so, what I'm saying. So, but how accurate is, Q, is that? It is QAnon Zach's, for nerds. The Snyder Cut is QAnon for nerds. And that's when, it. When, when they see it, they're going to realize that it's a whole big ball of not real. <laughs> go listen, go like, subscribe, and as always, stay tuned, true reviewers.